0: Welcome to Craig's Colorado Corner, taking on the toughest issues of our times, cornering the Colorado market on political and legal conversations. Craig Silverman, former Denver prosecutor, sets the table for smart
1: panelists.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Craig's Colorado Corner.
2: Hey, welcome to the third and best edition of Craig's Colorado Corner, where we focus on the many crimes perpetrated by Donald J. Trump with smart people, lawyers, journalists, people from the community. And today we have this Stepson, Susan Stepson, starred on my show, episode 106. She writes for the New York Times, the Casper Star Tribune. She's an attorney, as is her husband, Tim. Tim, an accomplished legislator, a rising Republican star. He ran for Congress, ran into Liz Cheney, who came home for that seat. She won. He lost. But now the Stubbsons are on the side of Cheney and me, an opposing MAGA. But they are still Republicans. They still live in Wyoming. They still go to church there and it makes for a fascinating, truly wonderful conversation. I hope you enjoy this, Stupsons. I know I enjoyed speaking with them. If you like Craig's Colorado Corner, support our sponsors. Tom Overton this week, he was featured on episode 165. He's been featured many times before. He's one of the best lawyers in Colorado. He wants a panel discussion where people... Talk about the special responsibilities of lawyers in this constitutional crisis and just the responsibility of everybody. Tom Overton, thank you. If you want to be part of sponsoring a future Craig's Colorado Corner, get a hold of me. Check out my Colorado Sun column. I am talking about capital punishment. I don't trust it anymore with chief executives like Donald Trump. Wow, what he's pledged to do when he gets back in power, may that never happen. Let's talk about it with the Stepsons. Tom Overton is a great lawyer and he may be right for your needs. If you need a lawyer in a business divorce, you cannot do better than Tom Overton. If you need a lawyer in a professional dispute, Tom Overton. Give out your number, give out your website. People want to
1: talk to you. Thank you, Craig. Our website is overtonlawfirm.com. My email is tom.overton at overtonlawfirm.com. And our number is 303 832
2: 9249. Tom Overton. He just gets the job done. Hello. Craig Silverman. Susan Stubson. How are you, man? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I got Tim here. Hello. Hey, Tim. Let me tell you about this show in case you okay. don't binge me all the time. But, Tim, I really appreciate you listening. This is a panel discussion with me throwing out some topics and you two, the panelists. I like, I hope that the panel has some chemistry so you two work on that i know during episode 106 she said you were the bomb at uh, the university of wyoming law school easily the biggest catch the master of the law review everything (laughs) she i'm not gonna go into it all because you can go and listen episode 106 on spotify you can listen at three times speed if you are good two times speed (laughs) And and you'll get to it. And you'll find out all about Tim, who is well described. Oh, yes. And, 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 it, and just to sum it up, you are the superstar. And then you got in the legislature, rising Republican. There's an open congressional seat. It's yours for the taking. And then Liz Cheney decides she wants in. And you had a competition. She won. You lost. But now you guys are kind of allies again. And because you are, that's not that popular in Wyoming, which might stifle your political future. What are you doing now, Tim?
1: Well, I'm working a lot. I've got a um, commercial litigation practice here in Wyoming, and so uh, uh, I'm doing a lot of work, but I'm also, you know, here and there when we can, we, uh, we work with candidates, we recruit candidates, we help raise money for good candidates, and uh, make sure that um, we're at least trying to fight in the right direction
2: well i expect you are i just hope that you are uh helping your wife afford that steinway although we learned that was a a tax deduction does your wife play the piano for you every night
0: well i'm actually going to as the wife or what i prefer to be called as susan um i'll respond to that the wife is, the Colorado economy is getting a little bit of boost because the Steinway is currently in Colorado. Um, it's a much needed rehab. So uh, that's um, how Craig, it starts. I,
2: yes, go can ahead. Can I
0: just uh, fill out a little bit more about uh, Tim, me in law school, which is obviously where, where we met. And so all those things that you said were true. You know, he's, when you go to law school, if you remember this, you know, there's always those those people that. You're like, okay, these guys are going to be the, the winners. Um, I was completely wrong at all those because it turns out that the people that talk the most um, are the ones that <laughs> turn out to be like the great flame outs and many of whom in our class at least had been disbarred. Tim was the quiet guy, editor, of the law review, order of COIF, all those kind of things. I was not. Um, but I sure wanted to be like him, so I finally just decided to marry him. So it's been working out pretty well so far. So.
2: Yeah, no kidding. And you guys are simpatico on your politics and big issues. Just think if that wasn't true. Thank God my beautiful wife, Trish, and I agree on the big issues, and we always have through three decades.
0: What about you guys? Yeah, don't you wonder? it? It can get complicated.
1: And I, I, yeah, the big issues for sure, but there's um, plenty of disagreements. Usually our dog is the only witness to our arguments, but apparently today it's going to be you and in, in the world as well.
2: But I would say a big issue for you guys, and I don't want you to even imagine, although for the sake of the question I do, you're passionate about Ukraine and its need to survive and thrive and beat back big bully Russia it's important for our kids, everything. Just imagine if your spouse took the opposite view, that would be bad, right?
0: No, well, no question. And, you know, as it relates to our party, um, and by the way, we both consider ourselves um, Republicans. And in fact, you know, we have filmed a number of spots and where I've clearly identified myself and I am as a lifelong Republican. And yet, 70% 70% of our party feels like we should withdraw um, and a portion of that 40% feel like we're, we're providing too much money to Ukraine. Um, we're a pro-American country. So of course we're going to do, I mean, that's that's the very face of what this country has done um, is support Ukraine. And I'll tell you on a personal note, um, we have had a number of refugees in our community from the Ukraine. And so Boy, I tell you, when you meet them and you have dinner with them and hang out with them, um, it really hits home the importance of our continued support in Ukraine.
2: Susan uh, or Tim, you're on that uh, video too. And I admire you so much. The Republicans I knew and loved through the years, this would be a no-brainer. Of course, you support Ukraine. But you guys make videos. What's that organization, Tim, And why did you guys get involved?
1: So it's called uh, Republicans for Ukraine. It's um, uh, there are a number of organizations, including Defending Democracy Together and Republicans for the Rule of Law, that kind of work in conjunction. Um, but uh, it's a, it's a national group that really um, tries to uh, you know reach back to what has been the heart and soul of the Republican Party, and um, which you know the defense of democracy. Uh, uh advocating for those abroad who are fighting for freedom and uh, just just reminding trying to remind those in our party that that's our heritage and and not only our heritage but it's it's the right decision I mean we have a hundred years of history that shows that uh, a prosperous and a peaceful and a stable europe is good for the United States and when and when you know unchecked aggression goes forward in Europe, Americans usually end up dying. And so it makes sense for us to stand up now and at this point for, uh, especially when the Ukrainians are willing to stand up and, you know, spend their own uh, blood, sweat, and treasure in in defending their their nation.
2: You guys have the winning argument, but for me, it's easy. But what did you say, Susan? We're a freedom-loving country. I'm afraid we are a propaganda-vulnerable country. And right now, Republican leaders uh, that Ramaswamy and Charlie Kirk, who's on Denver Radio, and I'm sure in Wyoming, too, they are selling out Ukraine every day. And they are popular. That Charlie Kirk had Turning Points USA Conference in Texas, and they said 95% of the attendees were for shutting off aid to Ukraine. And uh, we can debate where that's coming from but it sure is invading the base of the GOP and it's alarming. It would be alarming in a marriage, just back to that. It, it, isn't it the kind of big issue where, you know, if your spouse says, no, I'm, I'm like Tucker Carlson, I'm for Putin and Russia, that, that that would be rough, right, Susan?
0: Well, and particularly in the Republican Party, um, the party of Reagan, who was the world's greatest statesman when it came. I mean, he was the very model. He set the stage for democracy. And in fact, um, do you know that in Turkey, tell me if I'm right, Tim, in Turkey, in Istanbul, there is a statue of Ronald Reagan as the beacon of global democracy. Um, He's a part, that's Republican. He is our he is when i call myself a regular republican and there are still a number of us who do that i think it's an important reminder and ukraine is a great opportunity for us to remind not just those folks in our party but the importance of staying in there and supporting ukraine
1: and craig you talk about you know charlie kirk and some of these folks but you even look at sort of kind of a long time bread and butter conservative organizations like the heritage foundation they come out and really kind of laid it on as far as uh, opposing further aid to Ukraine. And so you're exactly right. We are propaganda vulnerable. Um, We have a a propaganda ecosystem within the conservative um, uh, community and within the Republican Party specifically that sort of vomits out this um, pro-Russian information. But we know I mean, we know what's going to happen if we step back, right? I mean, we saw when Russia invaded Georgia and we did nothing, they moved on and they invaded Crimea and we did almost nothing. And in fact, when Trump first came to office, he sort of uh, gave them the blessing and forgiveness for that. And so uh, and so then we see the war in Ukraine. So we know if if we don't do anything, there's this is just one step down the road to further aggression by Russia.
2: I'm afraid that the modern GOP is more Tucker Carlson than Ronald Reagan. But the proof is in the pudding, and you guys are in Wyoming. It's dominated by Republicans. Tell me the Ukraine position by both senators and uh, Harriet Hageman, are, are they on your side on this?
1: So it's interesting. They, they've they sort of taken this hybrid approach, and, and Senator Barrasso has He he has come out as as pro-Ukraine, but both uh, Senator Lummis and Representative Hageman have taken the position that, yes, Ukrainians, um, it's worth cheering for them, but we shouldn't give them any of our hard-earned taxpayer money. Um, And and so they sort of tried to ride the fence and and not be entirely pro-Russian, but of course embracing the isolationist um, sort of bent of the Republican Party and and it's an easy argument right to say we shouldn't be sending this money across the ocean we should be using it for ourselves and our kids and our and and our elderly um but it it's short-sighted to say the least
2: right and you guys both made fabulous pitches for that organization Republicans for Ukraine and I will put that in the show notes but let's move toward that Ram Ramaswamy I'm saying his name right Vivek Ramaswamy, I watched some of that debate. I watched none of Trump with Elon Musk, Ken Stan Musk, and he'll sell out Ukraine too. But but you know, Trump's claiming everybody watched me instead of that. Look, I'm a news junkie, and I like to study that guy and make fun of him. But I I, I maybe I clicked on it, but I didn't watch two seconds of it. It's like Rocky's baseball to me now. I, I watched the other thing. What about you guys? Did you watch
0: Tucker and Trump? I uh, did not watch Tucker. I watched the entire um, debate. And, you know, the Tucker Carlson Trump thing, even if I was interested in or considering voting for Trump, you know, you know, it's recorded. You have a fair idea of, of what he's going to say. You know, he has the entire hour or however long, you know, he had the balance of time. Um, So I devoted all of my attention to um, the debate and the other candidates. And I have to say, Craig, man, it was pretty refreshing to have, you know, the front runner not in the room. So you really have an opportunity to get to see what these other candidates, what their positions are. And, you know, honestly, it gave me a lot of hope for our party, because when when you take the 45th president out of the equation and you hear some... Thoughtful uh positions, not all that I agreed with, you thought okay this this is the big tent to which I'm a part of. I loved it.
1: and I disagree with Susan a little bit in that um, wrong I don't think
2: i I don't think it's nice to call Chris Christie a big tent, but keep
1: going. <laughs> well, that's sort of what I saw. I mean, what you see is even if Trump isn't in the room. Uh, Trump's policies overwhelmingly dominate the conversation. And you see, in Ramaswamy, I thought it was really interesting. He, you know, Susan talks about Reagan being sort of the heartbeat of the party, but he he held up the shining city on the Hill and Reagan uh, for ridicule as, as sort of a naive example of what was in the past, and not what's in the future. So, um, you know, you look at uh, across the stage, of course, there were Some fresh voices there, but you heard an awful lot of uh, chattering that was just sort of a maybe sanitized regurgitation of what uh, President Trump would say.
0: But that's not totally clear. I mean, they didn't even really raise the specter until hour two of of a two hour debate. So, you know, and obviously they need to talk about it. But uh, there was a lot of when they talked about those big hot button discussions, abortion, immigration, free trade. Um I didn't really hear from some of the candidates you know this oversized influence of Trump's policies
2: right, but somebody needed to break out, and the prosecutor and me was looking for Chris Christie to do something dramatic and the big moment that I will remember, and you know there was a time I liked Nikki Haley, but gosh, when she raised her hand saying yeah i'll I'll vote for him even if he gets convicted.' And DeSantis looked around. I mean, Chris Christie was not going to raise his hand. Neither did Asa Hutchinson. But Chris Christie missed his moment. He should have said, wait, how many felonies does he have to be convicted of? And when Martha McCallum had a heart attack or Brett Barrett looked around, he said, "Okay, I would it. I won't vote for him regardless. Something like that just to grab the moment. I mean, these guys are saying... If he gets convicted of 91 felonies, yes, I'll vote for him. You betcha. I mean, how stupid. It wasn't that disappointing for you guys?
0: Well, it was the great irony that the party of law and order was overwhelmingly willing to potentially vote for somebody who's a convicted felon. (laughs) So, you know, I felt like Christie, uh, he he got his footing. I thought that was a very weird moment, the the whole hand raise. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, he says what we're all thinking, which is, you know, why are we normalizing this kind of conduct? Why are we even having this discussion about somebody who is facing four separate indictments? And there's a question we're giving any kind of time to this discussion about, well, would we pardon him? Do we support him?
1: To me, what was interesting was DeSantis is sort of uh, throughout the debate has have hearted sort of flaccid hand raising where he sort of looks around and it's like like me when I was in school and you and the teacher asked the question you know you kind of look around take take a temperature see what everybody else is going to do and then raise your hand it didn't didn't really inspire um the the vision of a a leader willing to step out
2: yeah I think that's bad rap I think he was looking for his wife doesn't she tell him what to do anyway
1: I, I don't think,
2: I don't think he's got a chance now. I, I'll tell you what. At the start of the Trump administration, I, I went to AIPAC meetings, kind of as a member of the media. I definitely sat on press row, but I also dug that kind of thing. And the first year of Trump wasn't that bad. And Nikki Haley was a rock star. I've never seen any, anybody that popular in the Jewish American world. And, uh, you know, she could probably regain that. But for me, she just gone too far uh, like she did the other night when she raised her hand. But I remember when she took the Confederate flag down, too. And I don't know. What do you guys think of Nikki Haley? Is she viable?
1: Well, the thing that makes it that sort of undercuts her argument for viability, you look at the poll numbers in, in her home state, South Carolina, where you know that should be her rock, her 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 uh her sort of last stand, and she's you know trailing um, President Trump by double digits in 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 that state. And so, um you know I thought she uh, did well in the debate. I thought when she uh, and Ramaswamy really uh, she started criticizing him for his lack of of foreign policy experience, she was right on point. Um, she was forceful and articulate. But if you look um, across the, the polling and that sort of thing, it just does not seem like she is catching fire yet. Um, but, of course, there's four and a half months to go before the first vote is taken.
0: Well, and part of the problem, and Nikki Haley is one of them, I think DeSantis is another, is these folks need to figure out how to plead their case and quit um, straddling that line, try to appeal the MAGA to the MAGA portion of the party and to everyone else. And so, you know, one of the reasons why she seems to be flagging is that reason only. The debate, however, I thought um, I saw a shift in in her policy positions. Um, abortion, for example, I thought that her I was frankly surprised um, on her position on abortion. I felt like it was. Um, multi-layered as it should be. It's a terrifically complex and complicated issue. And it, you cannot have a bumper sticker response. I thought that her response to that was, was more reality based. I thought it was a frank assessment of the current court about the Dodds decision, all of those kind of things. So She's and you know, I'm an optimist. So I, I want anybody but Donald Trump to, to be our candidate. And so I'm I'm really hoping and and cheering for these candidates. So I see a position like that. And you bet I'm on her side and hoping that she continues to articulate that.
2: Even Vivek who ridiculed Zelensky as the Pope, what was that about? Yeah, I, that was weird. I, I'll tell you what I think it's about. It's Alex Jones conspiracy theory crap, where everybody's an actor. And of course, Zelensky was an actor. Of course, he was a lawyer too, like the three of us. Uh, So they want to pretend that Zelensky's really a Nazi, even though he's a Jewish guy, that sort of thing. It's a conspiracy theory. It feels anti-Semitic to me, just like Vivek, who I just don't trust that guy. He's a snake oil salesman, so Susan, don't say just anybody. And i liked like to when Nikki put him in his place, and and I hope more people do. But what is the proper place of BP Mike Pence? Explain that guy to me. I watched him on Face the Nation today, and and did you see that he 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 of course was the target of summary execution. I think they were going to give him a, a very brief trial on Twitter right before they hung him on January 6th. (laughs) And 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 yet he raised his hand, I'll vote for the guy who did that to me. And on Face the Nation he said, and when I'm elected we're gonna speed up executions. That's the solution to Jacksonville. We're gonna we're gonna execute people and let them know they won't get away with it. Of course, that guy killed himself first. So Mike Pence, what's going on there? Is he Shell shock. Are you proud of this guy or are you saying what the hell?
1: I've never really understood um, the theory of Mike Pence's candidacy. I mean, you have a guy who's perfectly situated to tick off every single person in the Republican electorate. I mean, so for people like me, the sort of thing crushed people like me uh, that, yes, we're happy uh, that he stood up on um, January 6th and did the right thing. Um, but we're not satisfied with the four years of enabling that went before that and so he's he's not done enough to inspire people like me he's certainly done enough to tick off every MAGA supporter there is in the country and so i i just look at a candidate like that and i i i struggle to see even what sort of path they conceivably could have um to to the nomination so um, I'm probably not the one to, to ask to explain Mike Pence to you. You
0: know, he's one of those candidates that, that falls in that category. of He's straddling the line of, of MAGA speak and everybody else. Um, and he's certainly not the first candidate or prominent person who's been in the Trump administration or been connected with the Trump administration that has been a sycophant until he wasn't, until the last minute, you know, in, in Pence's case. He stood up and showed up at the most critical time in our history. So, you know, you obviously have to give him. Frankly, Craig, he's boring. I think that we could do, do better. I'm a little bit done with older white guys um, standing in that position. I think that we there's other candidates other than.
2: players tell, yeah, tell me Tim doesn't call you mother. It's like he calls his <laughs> Do you do that? Not going to answer that. Too close. Oh, Too close, man. Oh, role play. No, I'm just. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm wondering about abortion because here in Colorado, you know what? Anything goes. And uh, you guys, are you both pro-life,
0: or you you speak for yourself?
1: So I'm pro-life, Susan. Uh, well,
0: I'll... I'm I'm pro-choice. I'm both. How's that? I should I should run for office. I'm pro-choice. And so you I think they call that trans,
2: don't they? Are you pro-trans too? No, you're both. No, it's uh anyway, I, I did predict at the start of this that you're moving to Colorado. But let's start with Tim, who's still pro life. Were you raised that way in your faith, or how did you come to it? Because uh yeah I, w- yeah.
1: I would say it's 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 rooted in my faith and
2: uh if I can if I can be so bold, what is your faith?
1: Yeah, I'm, well, that's probably another four-hour discussion, but... <laughs> I mean,
2: but uh, how were you raised? What church were you raised in?
1: I was raised in, a, in an evangelical church, okay. an evangelical Protestant church, so... In Wyoming, um, and, yes. Go yeah, ahead. Yep, yeah, but one of the really interesting things about the abortion discussion up here in Wyoming is that the, the legislature, back during the Obama administration, uh when you know, Obamacare was, was really the hot mutton issue, um, the legislature passed, and then eventually the electorate passed a constitutional amendment that was uh, a health care choice uh, uh, amendment that basically enshrined in the Constitution the right of uh, individuals to choose the health care that they needed and not and, and prohibit the legislature from really stepping in. and and prescribing what health care was appropriate and what was not. And what's been really interesting is we had a trigger bill here, and as soon as the Dobbs decision went through, we were, were, you know, the bill would have made abortion illegal in the state of Wyoming immediately, um, but some folks filed uh, a lawsuit under that fairly new uh, language in the Wyoming Constitution and said it violated the constitutional provisions that had been passed. And so that's that's hung up in litigation right now. But it's really interesting because it was really the the far right, um, the the uh, Freedom Caucus sort of folks that were the the impetus behind that amendment. And now it's become the tool to allow abortion to continue in the state of Wyoming. So it's sort of be careful what you ask for.
2: What's the practical effect? Can a woman get an abortion in Wyoming now?
1: Uh, Yes. And, you know, what's really interesting is that prior um, to last year, there was only one abortion provider in the entire state. Uh, and and that was it was that way for years and years and years. And now there's actually been an expansion. Um, there's another abortion provider here in, in Casper. And so it, it's actually expand it, Availability has expanded since the Dobbs decision, which is uh, you, you would have not gotten me to predict that.
2: Right. And as our neighbors to the north, we, we look at Wyoming. I say, wow, the rate of voting for Donald Trump's extraordinary. But uh, I've taken note that in Idaho, they've criminalized people traveling to Colorado. I don't know. Wyoming's closer to Idaho. Are, Are you dealing with any of those interstate issues up there, Tim?
1: Um, not really. Uh, it's funny. Everybody forgets about Wyoming and I think probably assumes that uh, abortion isn't going to be available here very long. So that it hasn't been uh, much of an issue here uh, yet.
2: Anyway, let's put it in the hands of a woman because your wife, Susan, is frequently published, not just in the Casper Star Tribune, isn't that the name of it? But Uh, There's a a bigger paper called the New York Times that loves her work. And you wrote about what Christian nationalism has done to Wyoming and your church. Tell everybody about it.
0: Yeah, well, you know, this is like many experiences that we've had probably in the past 10 years. This has been this really slow royal of events um, that you see play out. It particularly struck me because our life is, Really, if you had to distill Tim and Susan's life, it's faith and politics. Um, really the two things that I think you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table and yet. <laughs> so, you know, we, we see this uh, in our church, in our church community. And, you know, by extension, the balance of our friends come from our faith community. Um, so you you see kind of the parallelism between we go to a political rally or a lincoln day dinner and and the same kind of language that is used on a podium uh, is the same language or quite similar to the language that you hear on a sunday morning and it was distressing and i'll i'll tell you this quick story this past easter you know and clearly i'm a i believe in the separation of church and state i want to go to church i want to talk about faith think deeply about those things We can talk about politics anytime. And so that bleeding into that has been very distressing. So last Easter, Easter Sunday, the most recent Easter Sunday, um, you know, for churchgoers, what what any preacher, priest, pastor would tell you is that they really get two days of the year, which is Christmas and Easter. You know, those are the big Super Bowls in the faith-based community because that's when everybody comes. It's an important day. You know, you typically get people who come twice a year. Uh, The first thing out of our pastor's mouth was not, he is risen, the typical language that you use uh, (laughs) during Easter Sunday was, he said, now I know you guys all come here today and I know you're distressed because the 45th president uh, did the perp walk. And this was, uh, if you'll recall, when when Trump went into New York in Manhattan to answer to the Stormy Daniels charges. The first thing, here's the point, the first thing that our pastor said on Easter morning was cluck his teeth and shake his head about the distress of our poor persecuted president. Yeah, that to me is the very definition of Christian nationalism, which has now been used as a tool, a a clear fear-based tool.
2: Oh, boy. See, I would have stood up there and said... uh I would say, Your Honor, or I guess Your Reverence, could I just inject some underlying facts here? Seems that Mr. Trump, while his wife Melania was with a tiny toddler parent, in fact, he was still suckling the baby, and there was... Donald Trump suckling in Lake Tahoe with a woman named Stormy Daniels and with another woman, Karen McDougall, who also came to that tournament. But one of them ended up needing hush money. In fact, they both did, and arrangements were made. And uh, that was considered a campaign contribution that needs to be recorded in New York. And now back to you, Pastor. <laughs>
0: No kidding. I mean, the the level of hypocrisy, the the family values, you know, all of this. And yet the one person that the faith-based community and particularly the evangelical community has chosen to hang their hat on is an adulterer. He's foul mouthed He hasn't paid his taxes in years. I mean, all of these things that we we pray for people like that. We should not vote them into public office. You know what I pray
2: for? I pray for laughter like Tim just provided me. And you <laughs> provided in copious amounts on episode 106. I'm liking your chemistry. I think you're a great couple, but uh, it's tough. Does that, is that why you're moving to Colorado to get away from your church or what?
0: Hey, you said that, not as we have. No plans to move outside of the state. Thank you very much.
1: But the the funny thing is, it's not you know it's not a Wyoming problem. It is uh, if you these discussions you know politics has become so nationalized because everybody gets their news from the same source. It's either a steady diet of of Fox or MSNBC or or what have you. That the the issues that we face here are are, are no different than the issues that people in Colorado face or people and. In Indiana or anywhere else, and, and we've talked to friends of ours who are who are pastors who are in the faith community, uh, uh, you know, around the country, and and the same sort of uh, splintering that you see, uh, where uh, you have really pressure from the congregation to embrace um, the MAGA trends and 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 the the MAGA slogans. Uh, I mean, that that's happening everywhere. So um, I, I don't know. think we're going to escape Colorado anytime soon. Uh,
2: yeah, we're aware of Lauren Boebert and we're aware of your lovely wife and her roots on the Western Slope when it was a little more normal. But yeah, and, and I went out to uh, the Arkansas Valley. I had a big drive to a, a prison about three and a half hours away. And you look around some of these desolate communities with... Uh, just brought down towns, and they want somebody to blame. It's not working for them, the American dream, and scapegoats come in. Well, it's somebody else's fault, and you should blame the Democrats. Now, Democrats aren't doing that great. Here in Denver, we have our problems. I do know Denver is the big city in the Rocky Mountain region, the biggest city attached to really Wyoming not counting Cheyenne which is a small town but you know what I mean what's the view of Denver Colorado from Wyoming right now
0: well you're right in the sense you know the western slope and the more rural points in Colorado that's Wyoming that's where our similarities are and you know I'll speak for for Wyomingites it's been a while since I've lived in Colorado um but you know For sure, there's a sense of disenfranchisement um, that we've been forgotten, that, you know, the Denver Colorados and the Chicagos and the L.A.s, you know, that's been the focal point of all the policies. And so you bet um, for those of us in the rural communities, we're like, hey, remember us. We've got these issues. Um, And I think that that Trump's message and and candidates like that really speak to that and, and really are, Able to effectively, you know, foment this this disenfranchisement, this dissatisfaction. I'm getting beaten down. Who's on my side? Right. Who's fighting for me?
2: And, that and, and, yeah. Look at these shitty big cities, but Tim, you're the politician, the legislator, and I. It just seems to me, I was a political science major, that it does us no good to have one party rule, like big city like Denver you know, it would be helpful to have a guy like you looking at things in a, a big city like ours, just like maybe you could use some Democrat input and you served at a time when maybe you experienced some of that. Is that just pie in the sky or is is that something we could aspire to in the future?
1: Well, I, I think almost it's a trend towards multiple parties, even in a one party system. And, you know, we've we've gotten in the state of Wyoming to the point where the members, democratic members of the legislature could hold their caucus in a phone booth. I mean, there's just uh, fewer than a handful of Democrats out of the the 90 some members of the legislature. So, but what we do have, it's it, what you've seen develop is uh, really two parties, two distinct parties all under the banner of um, the Republican party. You have the freedom caucus, which meets separately creates policy separately, tries to primary people separately. And then, and then the, you know, kind of what I'd typify as the regular Republicans. Um, and so, uh, you know, you do need a variety of ideas. I think you do need a variety of perspectives and, and even in a one party system, you end up getting there eventually.
2: Yes, that's good. And I'm thinking about when, uh, I had on Alan Prendergast, who wrote Gangbuster, about when the Klan took over Colorado 100 years ago and put in corrupt Republican Governor Clarence Morley, but he was so bad that the Republican splintered and the group that was less crazy took him out. He ended up in prison and all of that. Let's talk about another great Republican who I admire a lot. Of course, she went to my alma mater, Colorado College. and. Tell us your first experiences with Liz Cheney, uh, and and the role you think she's played in American history.
1: Yeah, it, you, I've I've got a, a little bit of several tracks, I guess, with with Liz. You know, I knew Liz um, before we ran against each other in the twenty sixteen um, congressional race. We were on a couple boards together, and and um, you know, she obviously had a, a high national profile even at that time um and and that's one of the reasons why she beat me so badly when we ran against each other um and but of course you go you travel these towns you debate and uh it certainly developed a a great deal of respect for her um my my pitch against her was she was a carpetbagger and uh um and the people of wyoming wanted somebody with that sort of high high profile so uh but it's been really interesting to see her i like I say, I've got a ton of respect for her, and uh um I think she's she still commands a great deal of moral authority um there's it's clear that her stands on principle cost her um her position, but she's you know she's in a position still i think to make an incredible difference. she's a prolific fundraiser she's still doing that she's still um, she's using those resources to, um, put on advertisements in New Hampshire, for example, that, uh, kind of point out some of the problems with an, a next term of president Trump. Um, she's been very good at, uh, uh, supporting candidates that, uh, are common sense candidates. So I, she's going to stay in the fight, but I think it'll be a while before she's in a position to, to maybe serve in elected office. Again.
2: How did it feel when Matt Gates came to Wyoming? To speak out against her for telling the truth.
1: Um, yeah, it was interesting. A guy that admitted that he'd never even been in the state before came to tell us how we should vote, um, and that's uh, you know that's how some people reacted and some people saw it. But then, of course, uh, there was a boiling rage against Liz at the time. So you know, he found a welcoming audience here of those of those people that that wanted to see her gone. Um, but it, uh, again, I think it speaks to my point that these are all elections are become sort of nationalized when you have some guy from South beach coming to tell Wyoming people who they should vote for it. It it proves that point.
2: Well, let me tell you what I know about Wyoming. I know Susan Stubbson who told me it's like what one long street and you know, all your neighbors, all four
0: corners. What's that expression, Susan? uh well you were you were close it's uh main street with what with long roads. we're
1: just one big town with really long streets
2: okay and i bet you know harriet hegeman too right temp
1: yeah yeah i mean and and yes i do and you know when you only have 500 and some thousand people in the the state uh you're gonna know you're gonna know each other and especially in the bar of course we we all know each other so i've i've known harriet a long long time and had worked with her before and, and worked on some cases with her before. So I know her well.
0: Can I clarify really quickly that when Tim is referring to the bar, he is referring to the Wyoming Bar Association, not. Uh, and that's Frosty, not
2: Johnson that bar in Laramie <laughs> where the two
0: of you met. I've, you know, normally I wouldn't defend people, but I feel, Tim, like I need
1: to defend your honor I, there. I, I, <laughs> I, take I was, it how you will. They're, they're probably <laughs> both true. I'm turning
2: down down puns left and right using my (laughs) self-edit, but I'm glad you are a wiseacre too. She has confessed that she tried to hit on you at Wyoming. Was it with humor like that, Tim? Do you remember?
1: No, it was her her gorgeous red hair and and, uh, her sparkling eyes. Oh, Oh, good
2: God. Let's, let's, Get back to her. Okay, let's get back. Oh my gosh. You know, she's dad said, you know, she is she seems strange. or did she have something going on with her eyes? I, I don't know. I, I usually try to respect fellow lawyers, but some of the things I saw her say, and she took Trump's sick fancy to a new level, kind of a Jenna Ellis level. And uh, I think Susan and I were talking about how Jenna used to hate Trump and belittle him on the radio with me, a bit. and she's kind of back to it now that he won't pay her legal bills. Anyway, is she a Ellis type? Tell us about Harriet Hegeman.
1: There, there's some, there's some definite um, areas of comparison. You know, Harriet back in the uh, 2016 um, election cycle was part of our delegation to the national convention. And she was part of the group that was trying to change the rules to ensure that Donald Trump would not be the Republican nominee. And so um, I have always seen her uh, enthusiastic embrace of the former president as, as um, ends driven. I mean, she saw a clear path to elected office and a way to do it and, and uh, knew what she needed to get there. And so I think, you know, she, she's smart, she's articulate, um, but she's a bit of a performance artist. She uh, doesn't talk about the issues that really matter. She talks about the issues that will inflame. And she's always sort of got her outrage generator uh, turned up to 11
2: you know, I think the word is opportunism, and we all try to keep our eyes open for good opportunities, right? And then the word narcissism is bannied about, and I think it fits Donald Trump, but maybe people who have a podcast or become trial lawyers, maybe there's a little narcissism there. So, but what is it about these people? Are they just overloaded with that, that they would? Still go along with Donald Trump? Does it become a matter of, hey, this is my life, this is my tribe, this is my income? What's going on? This is my church, this is my religion. What is it?
0: Well, a couple things in Wyoming, you know, Harriet overwhelmingly, she just trounced Liz Cheney. So so this isn't totally the Harriet show. I mean, she had plenty of people that that agreed with her. Um You know, can we talk for a moment about the, the bar association and our ethical obligations? You're an attorney. Yes. You know, the Harriet Hageman's, the John Eastman's, the Jenna Ellis's, the Ted Cruz's in my view, we, we hold that we in the bar community hold these people to a different standard. I mean, they took an oath. I mean, we feel like lawyers, obviously we're the, we're the gatekeepers of the constitution, right? The rule of law. So for those, Politicians or public officials, um, or folks that are in the public eye, that are representative of our profession, that have totally sold their souls in exchange for money, power, whatever. It's time. I've been a little disappointed that the bar associates, bar associations, haven't um, across statewide, nationwide, haven't taken a more um, aggressive stance against these attorneys. You know, the Wyoming Bar wrote a fairly strongly worded letter about Harriet Hageman when she first came into office, castigating her for the rule of law, um, and signed by, you know, prominent, all judges and, and prominent attorneys. And that's been about it. I know I'm, I'm straying a little bit from the more sexy
2: talk about, about Hageman. No, no, no. They, you're, you're, singing, you're singing to the choir, and if I could just stamp something on this. I am dedicated to, uh, you know, this profession, I've been doing this for 42 years. This is what I do, and I've been proud of it. My dad was a Colorado lawyer. My grandfather before him was a Colorado lawyer. Back in those Klan days, we've overcome a, a lot, and there is a special obligation on licensed attorneys right now. This show is being brought to you by Tom Overton, who believes that passionately as well. He was a star on episode 165 just the other day. And we believe in it. A lot of lawyers believe in this strongly. So this is the perfect thing to bring up. That's why I admire Liz Cheney, who went to CC and then the University of Chicago School of Law. And I had on their professor, uh, Albert Alshuler, on the last episode of Craig's Colorado Corner, talking about the crimes committed here. Look, we are attorneys, and I attended a U.S. Supreme Court review put on by the University of Colorado, and you would have probably liked it better. But you know, on some of these cases, they try to present both sides when, holy cow, you know, I, I hear some Clarence Thomas and Alito stuff, and it's hard to hear the both sides of some for me, but maybe it's better for you as Republicans. Anyway, it is a tough time. And just one more thing on this subject. I was a prosecutor for 16 years. Our system won't work if the defendant is allowed to threaten the prosecutor and threaten the judge and threaten other people involved in the administration of justice. And I expect lawyers to speak out on this. I expect bar associations. I expect the Colorado DA's counsel. And I wrote Tom Raines, who runs that. And I said. Are you guys doing anything about this? He said we might talk about it at our next meeting. Now that you bring it up, but why should I have to bring it up? It's right out there. I'm gonna get off my high horse, but uh, Tim, your 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 wife hit a nerve with me. The, you're you're a member of the bar. It should mean something, right?
1: Yeah, I I uh, I can tell she she kicked that nerve, but it's it's the one that should be uh, kicked because, um, you know. It's like you said, it, it, the, the rule of law has been under steady assault for the last five or six years. And if um, those of us who are in that world on a day-to-day basis who understand that rules are, you have to follow the rules and that um, there are consequences if you don't follow the rules, if we stay silent, if we sit back, if we cower and just let um, those who are loudest um, sort of throw out those principles, uh, really the principles that have set us aside as a country. That respect for the rule of law across, uh, you know, across our citizens. Then, then um, you know, the the strength of our nation will follow.
2: And some attorneys have microphones. Take a Mark Levin. I bet he's on all over Wyoming. And, oh, I'm an attorney, I'm the great one, Rush Limbaugh, deem me that. He's a Trump enforcer. He's not an honest broker. And then there are lawyers I know on Colorado radio, and it's just so aggravating because the people out there in the hinterlands, they don't understand the law necessarily. They they, they are misled by people. Adam Kinzinger has addressed this beautifully, another hero, along with Les Cheney. You can't really blame the mega base because they're being misled by people who know better, who are grifting off of them. Am I right, Susan?
0: Oh, no question. And it's, it's rattling when you're sitting in a conference room, you know, in a deposition across your opponent, and you know they know better. Um, so it's rattling. You just want to punch them in the face.
1: No I don't know that it's enough that you can just dismiss it. I mean there are really good, really smart lawyers that I know that are all on board the trump train, and um I don't understand it um but they're not they're not um betraying what they know to be true. They believe that um Trump and trumpism is is the best avenue for our country. And so uh, I, I think we have to be a little bit careful about just uh, dismissing um, dismissing those sorts of folks as, as not being true to, to their true selves.
0: All right, so maybe, uh, go ahead, Susan. Oh, well, I totally disagree with you, honey, because how can any member of the legal profession after January 6th, promote and support someone who is the very definition of the degradation and disintegration of the rule of law. They know better. And I, I think I understand what you're saying in terms, I mean, there, there are a lot of very smart, um, well-read, educated folks that, that support Trump, and I respect them. They've made their decisions. But attorneys, that's a, that's a, that's a subset of who we're talking about. Am I right, Craig? Hi, uh, Susan.
2: I think you're being way too easy on Tim. OK, so, <laughs> Tim, let me pretend I'm sitting around with a bunch of good old boy lawyers. Where are we going to be in Cheyenne? No, we're going to be in Casper. Where are we?
1: Yeah, you better be in Casper. All right. Uh, there
0: are women, women attorneys in the bar. All
2: okay, I'll right. I'll just I, add I'm, I'm going to try out a few of these arguments and uh, just maybe you can tell me what the consensus will be around the table. Okay, these 91 felonies against Trump, what are they all about?
1: Politics. Okay. <laughs> that's what you're... All that, right. Okay, no, no, that's here. good.
2: Politics, and probably they'll say, what about Hunter Biden? Okay, we get that down here, too. Okay, what what if I say to these smart lawyers, hey, uh, that uh, mugshot of Donald Trump, what'd you think of that?
1: <laughs> they, You know, I think they'd say he was portraying the rage that I feel by having my president subjected to this sort of treatment.
2: What did you think when you saw that mugshot, Susan?
0: You know, I thought this is a, a picture that will, I mean, obviously it's a historic picture, but it will be placed with, you know, nine 11 and the picture of the fireman raising the post. I mean, this is, this is, a massive visual of the arc of American history.
2: I know, but forget about it's, him as a historic figure. You're a woman, that's a man looking at you. Forget you ever saw him before. What would he be conveying to you with that look?
0: I am pissed off. I'm wrongly accused.
1: But I think, see, I think he, a part of the genius of Trump is his ability to capture in weighs large and small uh the angst of his followers and 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 just as you see that anger and righteous indignation on his face you know it hit home because you saw the fundraising numbers he yeah. he were raked in over the next couple of days so 7.1 um, yeah yeah so to me it's funny cuz those of us you know who aren't fans of his we see one thing we see the villain and um to his supporters, they see something entirely different. And that's, that's been the problem uh, throughout is we have such different lenses.
0: Well, and there's no, nothing like an indictment to concentrate the mind, and it's great for business. We, we know that. Um, can I just uh, add to this, which I think this is always my little comedic punchline, which nobody thinks is as funny as I do, but if he were, and you probably know this, Craig, former prosecutor, if Trump were convicted on all of the counts and given the maximum statutory penalty under the federal sentencing guidelines, he would face 641 years in prison. And that's not even including the Georgia state claims. So I have to feel like out of all of those charges, there's going to be one that sticks.
2: Oh, there will be more than one that sticks if if we get him to trial. And we'll talk about whether he's a flight risk and all of that. But before we leave the mugshot, I have my definite theories because I'm a little older than you guys, and Trump is older and fatter than me. And at my peak, I was six five, two fifty, and I was pretty muscular, but kind of like a lawyer. I could have lost weight. And sure enough, now that I'm older, I've shrunk. You know, I've had a couple of backs. So now I'm 6'3", and I'm probably down to like 222. So for this guy to claim he's 6'3", 215, it's just a lie. (laughs) But the, the, the other thing that he's doing with that mugshot is he's trying to look skinnier by hiding his chins. And he's got several. He turns his head in that way. The other thing is he's trying to mimic that kind of Republican that you guys like, Ronald Reagan, the cowboy, Barry Goldwater, the whole you know thing that led to Christian nationalism covered in I think it was episode one fifty eight with Brad Onishi. oh my God, is he great? He was an evangelical minister in Orange County, but the bottom line is he's raising money off of that mugshot and. I'll tell you what he's really trying to convey, and you guys hit on it, is I'm pissed off. I'm mad as hell, and somebody's going to pay for this, and his whole campaign is based on retribution. So back to this table in Casper, where I think they'll probably like you, and and let's put Susan at the table. Couldn't you say, hey, you know, you guys, uh, this is all well and good, but this guy, look at his mugshot. He's promised retribution. He's in favor of fast capital punishment. I'm worried about my wife. She was in the New York Times, okay? And, and what will they say? She just got to go?
1: You know, it's funny because I think you've seen across the Republican Party, it'll have an impact on some of them. They may decide, yeah, maybe, maybe there's too much baggage. Maybe it's time to look for, for somebody else. Um, but no, but I, a, I don't I, want you
2: to leave this. I mean, I really think the guy, if he had his way, would do something bad to your wife for what he for supporting Liz Cheney for this podcast. I I'm serious. Uh, do you, he, isn't he promising retribution? Or are you not taking him seriously?
1: No, I I think you have to take him seriously because you see what he did when he was president. I mean, his, the 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 road through the White House was paved with the bodies of those he discarded. No,
2: but they literally, he could get violent like January 6th was violent. I'm saying, I think he'll take it to a whole other level. He's saying he's going to weaponize the DOJ and payback and he'll probably start charging Susan and me for writing columns and you for being a friend of Liz Cheney. Maybe you could play, hey, I opposed her before I liked her.
1: (laughs) no i like i said i think you're you're right you we've learned i think by now that when donald trump says something he he means it i mean people try to excuse it and people try to walk away from it but um it is interesting that his main policy point uh that he brings out in his speeches is revenge
2: i know and, and, and you know we where we like to laugh and you guys are great lappers but don't you think that if he could, he would do something violent to Liz Cheney? Because she is the one who was persistent. He he might not be prosecuted, but for her efforts, she he would he is not stupid. He recognizes what Liz Cheney and Nancy Pelosi, that their courage has landed him with a possible jail cell, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no question that that he peddles in this language, this very, very dangerous language, and he also clearly understands that, A, people are listening to him, and B, many will take up the sword for him, literally. So, I don't disagree that um, it's a very, very dangerous time for us, and it's a very dangerous time. I don't want to be one of these, I don't want to overstate it, but I You know, he clearly has no problem inciting violence and encouraging mobs and encouraging violence. And he's, he's very good. He's well-practiced at this, this type of messaging, um, and people take him seriously. So, um, yeah, my guess is if you talk to Liz Cheney's team, they, my sense is they probably had, um, lots of challenges, um, because everything Trump says, people take serious. And when Liz Cheney goes out on the the campaign trail, or when she did, um, she had significant security issues. There's no question.
2: And we'll, for the rest of her life, if we can get back to that round table and Casper, God willing, have Liz Cheney there. God willing, have Liz Cheney on this show with Adam Kinzinger and Amber McReynolds, who we knew in college. Anyway, You guys are great guests, and think of the pairings I can do on this show, but I like talking with common-sense lawyers, and I'd have to think that this pitch might work to them. Okay, we don't really know if elections were rigged here, there, or anywhere, okay? And Donald Trump said it, and I get it that you get your news from that guy. But let me tell you about a company in Denver Named Dominion. And it seems somebody even before the election selected them to be a good scapegoat. Because if they lost, they had machines in swing states. And we could say that the machines were crooked, and we would have a viable uh explanation of why we lost. So right away after the election, this system of lies began against Dominion. And we know that in Michigan, they broke into a place in Antrim County. To get into a Dominion machine, they found another friendly clerk in Coffee County, Georgia. And they found one in Mesa County, Colorado, all with the intention of going in the machinery and compromising it. And that would be the case. Then they made up a story about a guy out of Denver named Eric Coomer, who's now suing, saying he was biased against Trump. And he was so biased that he rigged the machines against him. And you'd think that was silly, but it was all over Denver radio. And then the Trump started tweeting about it. And Donald Trump said to Geraldo Rivera on November 13th that, hey, you know, maybe I lost, but have you heard about Dominion? So if I could prove to these smart lawyers around the Casper table that this Dominion lie was a Trump team creation, wouldn't that convince them that, hey, you know, the people who are really trying to cheat here are Team Trump? And if they were playing it square, they wouldn't do things like Dominion. Therefore, we're going to stop backing this guy and his bullshit about a rigged election. Would that get through to anybody?
1: <laughs> that your question um, is a good one. I'm not sure I can answer it, but I would I would just say that, you know, I, I was a little bit disappointed that Dominion and, and Fox settled. But when you look at a 787 million dollar settlement and you talk to lawyers about that. Um, they soon start realizing, oh, this isn't made up. Oh, there must have been evidence to support this. And oh, the everything that Dominion said about um, Trump and his team and what they were doing was accurate.
2: See, that's the difference. In Wyoming, they say, oh, in Colorado, we go, aha, you know, we figured it out. You know, it's, it impacts us. It's like, I I had a serial rapist and it was a circumstantial case, but he came up with such a bullshit alibi for one of the days in question. I led with that. Why is he making up this phony alibi? You see what I mean? I mean, it's it's just litigation 101.
0: Susan, right? You studied in law school. Uh, Yes, I did study that in law school (laughs) and continue. I think that's why they call it the practice of law, right? Um, This question about... Um, just the language that these folks use and, and the impact that it had on Dominion. You know, let's talk for a second about election integrity. Right now in Wyoming, our Secretary of State, who you may know, um, oversees elections. He ran on an election integrity platform, failed into office easily.
1: As a denier.
0: As a denier, yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's like George Orwell election integrity. Right, I get it. It's it's yeah. The yeah, opposite. Very, yes.
0: very much so. And and he's he's now our secretary of state and in Wyoming also second in line to the governor. And our elections are safe like across the country. I mean, we've had, you know, the last case of election fraud that we they had in were. Wyoming.
2: Can I just say they were? <laughs> Now that now this guy will cheat, he'll do whatever Donald Trump tells him to. You are moving to Colorado, aren't you?
1: <laughs> We've got to stay here and fight
2: for good elections. And I want you to. It's like I told Dick Wadhams, former Colorado State Republican chair, stay there, fight for that party, but oh my god, the Colorado State Chairman, Dave Williams, have you heard about him? He wanted to change his middle name to run against a crazy conservative, Doug Lamborn, who was too liberal in El Paso County. He said, I want to be Dave. Let's go Brandon Williams, which is Dave. Fuck you, Joe Biden Williams, or as I call him, Dave Fuck Williams. Anyway, he got elected Colorado State Republican chair, and he's running them into bankruptcy by giving out $250,000 contracts to you guessed it, John Eastman and a guy named Randy Corcoran, who was in on the big lie very early on in Colorado. Oi, right, what we have going on in Colorado? Tell me about your Wyoming State Republican Party. I bet it might even be worse, if that's possible.
1: Yeah, it's very similar. Our, our chairman, a guy named Frank Ethorne, uh, is the one that this said that he would run through barbed wire for the for President Trump. Um, and, and they, you know, it's just, it's a party that doesn't resemble, uh, anything, uh, that a party used to be. And they, they spend so much of their time, uh, slinging arrows at Republicans that they don't think are true enough that they don't even have time to talk about anybody else. And, and, uh, you know, you look at this last election cycle, our governor, Governor Mark Gordon, who's a good, good guy, good governor has probably 70% approval rating in the state the state party spent the entire primary season lobbing grenades at the governor, at their own governor, um, because they don't they wanted somebody who was um, much more conservative, much more, much less reality based uh, uh, to be in that office. And so, um, yeah, it's it's very similar up here. Um, it's a, a total uh, disconnect between the party and, and really what the party used to be.
2: We have Colorado Jury Appreciation Day on September 5. Tom Overton told me about it. He serves on all the big committees. But those of us who have had a lot of jury trials really believe in them. People try hard. I hope it's not ruined through MAGA. It's a great institution. What's your experience with juries and the rule of law in Wyoming? Is it okay?
1: Yeah. I mean, you've got uh, really most juries are made up of pretty salt of the earth people. And like you said, people that are trying really hard to do the right thing, people that feel the full weight of responsibility for what their position is in that, in that jury pool. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think that uh, um, we have uh, a system that works up here um, as long as it's not poisoned and as long as Uh, You don't have people out there uh, convincing people that it doesn't work.
2: I think that word poison was used by Susan in describing Trump's effect on the Wyoming Republican Party and our nation, too. But I'm a big believer that if we can get these cases in front of a jury, good things will happen. What about you, Susan? How do you size up the cases? Which ones are compelling to you?
0: Well, before I answer that, I just want to add on to what Tim said. I think that one thing that we have going for us in Wyoming is because we're a a rural state, a low population state, there is, I think, and correct me if, if, or tell me if you agree with me, Tim, that there's, there's also faith in our judiciary here. I think that the system on the grassroots level, on a micro level Seems to be working. And that's important, you know, when you think about the degradation of the judiciary nationwide and kind of a, a growing misunderstanding of the three separate branches. I'm um, speaking about the judiciary right now. We don't see that yet here in Wyoming. We also don't have judges that are elected, which I think is a huge deal. And I know it. Do you guys elect your judges in Colorado? I don't know.
2: No, they run for retention, but they're appointed by the governor.
0: Yeah, same, same. So, boy, that's sure critical. And we see that in the practice of law. And then just kind of generally, golly, it's really hard to, to tell you what the average Wyomingite thinks, but our system is working. I think our our folks in Wyoming understand that it's, it's working. Um, but oftentimes there's confusion about what's actually happening in our state versus what's going on nationwide.
2: Until you get MAGA judges like there's a slam dunk case out of Mar-a-Lago. And now one of the witnesses has flipped and it's come out that, Hey, you know what? I would have flipped long ago, but the Trump attorney put the arm on me and told me to lie. That's not going to be good, but it's stuck in front of a MAGA judge, judge, uh, Aileen Cannon down in uh Florida. And it's darn shame because that's that's something you can't do. You can't intimidate witnesses, you can't suborn perjury, right? We all know that. They teach you that in law school, yet he does it all the time. I'm putting my faith in Jack Smith and Tanya Chutkin, the strong judge, the experienced judge, the Obama appointee confirmed 95-nothing she gets a piece of the action today and she has to make wise rulings about when this trial date should be and i'm hoping usab trump goes first in washington dc what are your thoughts about this multi-pronged litigation tim you're the great litigator
1: <laughs> i you know it's it's like a, uh, I have to have a spreadsheet just to keep track of of the dates and the trial dates especially now with with Georgia and with uh, the co-defendants and their push, uh, particularly the lawyers um, uh, Sydney Powell, Jenna Ellis, and and Cheesebro, trying to have their cases heard by October. So, um, I um, I share the concerns that you have with Judge Cannon. I think she's already proven herself to um, uh, lack lack <laughs> sort of the judgment you would hope that a a judge in that kind of trial would have, but um you know i i don't know that it matters much which which case goes forward he's going first uh he's clearly going to have his hands full all the way through um the primaries
2: and
0: they just, can say, I just yes you can do anything. let me let me just point out um on the georgia case um which is brought up on and i don't know a lot of state law in georgia obviously but you know, it's brought up on the Georgia state law version, the RICO. Um, the first time RICO the racketeering charges, Congress passed that in 1970. The first time um RICO charges were filed and successfully prosecuted were by a US attorney, Rudy Giuliani. I've heard of him. who employed who employed the very statute that he is now um, named in as one of the 19 defendants. I just think I I love, Craig, the symmetry of this, that, you know, the irony that as a U.S. attorney who prosecuted high-profile political corruption and Wall Street criminal cases, who made his very name, I mean, that was kind of the genesis of his his trajectory of in how he finally got into office, was doing the very thing that he is now charged with. We just... We have to place that someplace in the conversation.
1: Oh,
2: man. Yeah. Think of me as a prosecutor in the 80s. Rudy Giuliani cleaning up New York City, a progressive. I mean, I've always been stuck between parties, but here was Giuliani, a Republican elected in New York, pro-choice, pro-gun control. Hey, maybe there's hope for the Republican Party. Rudy's that kind of guy, but something happened to the dude, started drinking, He has poor morals, and he's a bigot. Have you heard the way he talked to his girlfriend? She recorded him disparaging Jewish people, disparaging Black people. He's just a bad son of a bitch, and we should have recognized it. You know, Stuart Stevens, who helped run Mitt Romney's campaign, I think he was campaign chair, he wrote a book, It Was All a Lie. And to me, it looks that way for the Republican Party. There are some Romney Republicans and I felt attracted to Mitt Romney, uh, not the way Jesse Waters feels attracted to Donald Trump, but I just thought his policies were uh, were uh, decent, that he was a decent man. And he proved that when he voted to uh, remove the president, convict him at the trials. Anyway, you guys are the Republicans. I hate to bring that book title up, but was it all a lie? Have you ever thought geez, you know, these people I thought I liked, I really don't like them.
1: You know, I think uh, um, it wasn't a lie, but there is a new, there is definitely a new chapter now. And we have to, I think I have a tendency to to pine for the, the old days when my views aligned with the party more closely. But I I do think it's important for us to recognize that um, it, it it is a new chapter that, the populism the trump populism that you see is not going away it is a part of this uh party um going forward into the foreseeable future and and for me in 2016 so i was a big um rubio guy i was the chair of rubio's campaign in in wyoming and fought hard for him during that campaign cycle and now i watch uh him be an apologist for trump and i just you know i i i sort of question myself, but he, he was a good candidate at the time. Um, I'm not going to, you know, for whatever reasons, he's now decided to go down the easy path with everybody else Uh, there. And we'll just keep with our, our little sliver of the Republican party fighting away.
2: I sort of liked him too. And I've never, I don't know him. Uh, There was a fundraiser where he was supposed to show up, but he didn't in Denver the night of the debate at DU anyway. I've just you know maybe, to be fair, maybe he got neutered, you know, and had a boating accident something happened to his <laughs> testicular fortitude I don't know it's uh he, he's a profound disappointment. I hope I wasn't but, too graphic so for you Susan. he's
1: one profound disappointment among a raft full of profound disappointments of a wrathful full of people who have clearly decided uh that they will turn their back on principle um for convenience for prog for their own um you know uh, step up the ladder.
2: Yeah, and he's a lawyer too, right? And he had a legislative background in the statehouse like you. Ted Cruz, I don't know. I mean, there it's all so disgusting, disappointing to me, but I want you guys to keep fighting as Republicans. I want you to stay up there in Wyoming. And how do you think this is going to end? What's the appropriate outcome?
0: Uh, well, if I had the answer for it, I think I probably wouldn't be sitting in my conference room in Casper, Wyoming. But, you know, it's clear that Ramaswamy, I think, is at least he's positioning himself as the Arab apparent that the MAGA world will continue to go on. But I also think that that there are uh, a lot of Tim and Susans in the party and in this country that are are starting to step up and punch from within and stay in the fight. Um, so share share this podcast with them. I well, of course I will, Craig. I share all your podcasts Thank with them. It's you. always in my queue. Oh, nice. <laughs> No, but, you know, I'm an optimist, but I think that we we need that optimism and we need that hope. I mean, isn't that what candidates always run? I mean, that's like the primary that's campaigning 101 is hope and change and things like that. And so I think that we will continue to fight the fight and try to be the model of the rule of law in our profession and to continue hard conversations in a civil manner and to try to continue to model that. So, you know, what's going to happen? We don't know, but we're not going down, um, without a fight. And, and I, I think it's very dangerous to capitulate.
2: Okay. I don't want to offend Tim again, but we all fell in love with your wife again. All right. And she took my question one way that I didn't anticipate, but it was sunny and it's optimistic. And I'm thinking, what's the appropriate outcome? And I'm thinking, is it 10 years in prison for the guy or 50 years or something worse? I'm wondering if Donald Trump needs to go to prison. And I'm also wondering if the Republican Party just needs to hit rock bottom. Uh, So I'm kind of focused on these litigations. And I do think that he's going to get convicted and they'll probably construct, I don't know, some island. He's been to Epstein Island. He seemed to like it. He kept going back. Let him live there. And uh, then let the conspiracy theories grow, but don't let him have any internet, okay? And uh, no makeup. Anyway, that's my fantasy. Why don't you close it out, Tim, with yours?
1: The You know, that question of... Um is, is prison the appropriate outcome? It's, you know, it would be incredibly sad to see a former U.S. president in, in prison. But at the same time, you know, my, my initial reaction is, you know, he needs to be treated like everyone else. Uh, but of course, he's in this position because he's not like everyone else. He's in this position because he had the ability to threaten the security of our country by sneaking documents out of the White House. He had the ability to start a riot just by encouraging others um, to march on the Capitol, and so um, I, it's 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 a, it's something that I never thought that I'd see in our country. It's it's something that you see you know in across across the world and in the global south. But uh, I, I I think he has to su- suffer the impacts of the rule of law. Uh, just like the rest of us would.
2: I like that expression, what you see. When I saw that mugshot, I saw a killer. This case was on court TV. They attacked a young couple out for a night on the town celebrating their first anniversary, carjacking. Husband fought back, got shot dead. The wife got brutalized. We put that case together and I prosecuted that son of a bitch. And throughout the trial, he glared at me the way Donald Trump looks in that mugshot. And I put it up on Twitter because that's what hit me. And that guy didn't like being held accountable. Nobody does. But gosh, Trump's done awful things. You know, his parents tried so hard to keep him out of the criminal justice system. They had sent him to military school, but it didn't work. And we, <laughs> we, we need to look at ourselves. How did we let the Republican Party get to that point? How did we let America get to the point that he got elected? in 2016 i have my theories about propaganda we touched on that but i think we got truth out of this sense, and this podcast is the total truth the
0: view from wyoming i can't thank you guys enough well it's been a pleasure greg thank you so much for inviting me twice on your show
1: yeah thanks a bunch for having us really appreciate it
0: and what do you think do you guys have chemistry
1: um oh,
2: please don't answer that <laughs> We'll keep working on it <laughs> you guys have great laughs keep strong really thank you so much for a great show and we'll see you down the road okay thanks Bye bye thank you bye craig's colorado corner is made possible by the sponsorship of michael bailey law offices michael bailey is my lawyer he's the best estate planning lawyer He can come to you, or you can go to one of his several Metro Denver offices. The number to call, 720-797-8988, 720-797-8988. He will get the job done. He also wants to support a show like this. Thank you, Michael Bailey. If you want to be a sponsor, let me know. I'm easy to find. I'm Craig at craigscoloradolaw.com. Craig at Craig'sColoradoLaw.com. Hey, I told you that was a great show. Please support Tom Overton. What a great lawyer! If you need him, a lot of people go through business divorces, don't know what to do. I'm not the right lawyer. Tom Overton is. If you get in trouble with the bar association, really, it's called Attorney Regulation Council. Call Tom Overton. He has experience. He's a great guy. I think episode 166 was terrific. Tom Overton was also great on episode 165. Thanks to Michael Bailey, Tom Overton, all the people who helped support this show. If you want a piece of it, let me know. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, share. I like great reviews on Apple. See what you can do. Thank you. Bye.
0: That's the show. We hope you liked it. Please subscribe. Tell your friends. Leave a five-star review. Thanks for listening.